Let us pray. Father, on this night, when we move from the grave to the empty tomb to the glory of the resurrection, may your name be lifted high in this place and in our lives. And may our hearts be filled with gratefulness and rejoicing. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Good evening, everyone. Good to see all of you here. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And look forward to seeing you again tomorrow morning at either 8.15 or 11 a.m. Well, tonight is a night about surprises, unexpected events and deliverances by God's hands. In many instances, things completely and abruptly out of sync with what people in that moment thought was happening or what they thought would transpire. In a number of cases, expectations were turned inside out by God's direct, miraculous delivering action. Even in our Old Testament readings this evening, as we heard of God's saving acts, who in Noah's day other than his family or than Noah would have thought that they would be delivered in an ark from a flood on an earth where it had never rained before? We have the deliverance of Israel through the parting of the Red Sea. Certainly nothing that could have ever been imagined by the Egyptians who were chasing them. And the three young men in the fiery furnace who not only weren't burned, but were walking about unharmed. Their hair wasn't singed. And they didn't even smell like fire or smoke because of God's mighty delivering hand, of God's, because of God's presence right there in the furnace with them. And even beyond these things, as we heard read from Ezekiel tonight, that God can give people a new heart and a new spirit. And God can take a heart of stone and turn it to a heart of flesh beyond human comprehension or expectation. Ideas and expectations, right, wrong, accurate, misplaced, are not unique to the biblical era. Every single one of us has expectations for ourselves, our lives, for others. Sometimes those expectations are realistic, and other times they're not. Often they're not. But the real question we must grapple with is, do our expectations line up with the heart and the character and the will of God? Through the past week, we have walked with Jesus from the triumphal entry to the upper room and the garden to Calvary, and to the tomb. None of this was what those around Jesus expected. And this night, as we move from Jesus' burial to the first witnesses to the resurrection, God, in incredible ways, continues to defy temporal human expectations. All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record the resurrection in great detail. 
Tonight we read from St. Matthew's Gospel. Tomorrow morning we'll read from St. Luke's. And these events that happened 2,000 years ago are just as relevant for our lives today as they were for those women who went to Jesus' tomb and became the first witnesses to the reality of the resurrection. We must come to expect the unexpected. Verse 1 of Matthew 28 sits the scene. We're given the day, the time, and place of these events. Matthew 28 verse 1 tells us that it was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary who went to Jesus' tomb at dawn on the first day of the week. Scripture records that both of these women had been present when Jesus was crucified and died. They believed Jesus to be the Messiah and their Savior. In chapter 8, verse 2 of Luke's gospel, we read that Jesus had brought spiritual deliverance to Mary Magdalene, having driven seven demons out of her. The events that transpired over those several days were not, they were not what they were expecting. They must have been numb with the horrible images of the crucifixion and Jesus scourging etched into their memory. We talk about PTSD to see that. And yet another huge, unexpected event was about to take place as they became the first witnesses to the reality of the empty tomb. They, these two women, were the ones to whom the angel announced, he is not here, he is risen, just as he said. They were the very first people to personally encounter the resurrected Lord of glory. And there's something else about this that was also incredibly unexpected in the culture and social structures of that day. Amazingly, unexpectedly, the first witnesses to the resurrection were women. Now, that might not seem significant to us in the 21st century, but women were not generally held in high regard in the world and culture of that day. Most Jewish men of that day gave little credence to a woman's testimony. I'm not saying it's right, but it's simply the way things were from the worldly perspective in that day. But God, did you hear that? But God, once again, worked powerfully in ways that defied worldly norms and human expectation. And there's a lesson here for you and me tonight. Because in God's eyes, those whom society may value and esteem the, esteem the least are often the very ones that God uses in powerful ways. They're often the ones that he uses to send his message and to be witnesses of his salvation. We need to expect the unexpected. That means if you are a believer that you are trusting in Christ, you just never know who God might use to speak into your life. And don't be surprised if God uses you in a powerful way to touch somebody else with the life of Jesus. 
Expecting the unexpected as God works means that God just might do something wonderful that is beyond what we can ever, ever imagine. I think I may have shared this story once in the past, but Victor Pavlovsky is a friend of mine from seminary, and Victor grew up in Soviet Russia. Victor's probably about 10 years older than me. Grew up in a Christian family. They were persecuted. Victor was drafted into the army as a Christian, into the Soviet army, which was not a pleasant experience for a person who openly professed their faith in Christ. And Victor, um, in time, became the, um, the bishop or the superintendent of the Pentecostal Union of Moldova. He lived in the nation of Moldova, which is still in that region right next to Ukraine. Very poor country, but part of the Soviet Union at that time. And Victor recalled to me one time how through the years they would, you know, go and meet in apartment buildings at night to pray two, three o'clock. And we stay up all night and then go to work in the morning because they had to secretly have church and have prayer meetings. And how sometimes if you knew a KGB agent was following you, you would spend all evening walking around and jumping onto the subway and off of the subway so that that agent didn't follow you to the meeting. And then some 25 years later, after the Iron Curtain had fallen, the Pentecostal Union of Moldova built their office headquarters directly across the street from the, a bunch of those old Soviet-era concrete apartment buildings where they had worshipped in secret at night. And Victor recounted to me the day on this major highway right through Chisnau, which is the capital of Moldova. There they were outside with a big tent set up, dedicating this building to the Lord and praising God. And he said it struck him as he looked across the street. And there were those buildings where they had worshipped in the middle of the night, where they had hidden in secret. And now here, 25 years later, they're worshiping God in open publicly right across from those very buildings. God is indeed a God of the unexpected. They could have never imagined. And Victor said to me more than once, he said, I wish that the pastors that suffered in prison for so many years and died there and were tortured would have lived to see this day because it was so far beyond anything back in the Stalinist era that they could have ever imagined. God calls us as his people to expect the unexpected. We also need to expect the supernatural because when God is at work, supernatural things happen. And when I talk about supernatural, I'm not just saying, oh, something that goes our way that didn't seem like it was going to. We're talking about things that are orchestrated by God, that are beyond the normal order of things and which transcend the laws of nature. That's what a supernatural work, that's what a miracle is. Mary and Mary Magdalene are witnesses to and key participants in an incredible God moment. An earthquake. In the midst of the earthquake, they see an angel with an appearance like lightning and garments white as snow. The Roman guards at the tomb shake and become like dead men. In other words, these guards were overwhelmed by these events and the physical presence of God's glory around them. And yet, in God's grace, the two Marys are left standing to see 
all of this. The angel rolls back the stone at the tomb's entry and sits on it. Everything, everything that is unfolding before the two Marys is absolutely miraculous and absolutely ordered by God. But it gets even better because the angel speaks to them in verses 5 through 7 of Matthew 28. We read these words. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Now, angels need to say that a lot in scripture, it seems like. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Do not be afraid. He is risen just as he said. The angel declares God's vindication of Jesus' suffering and sacrifice. Things are not as so many people expected. They've not done away with Jesus. His crucifixion and death were not some plan gone horribly awry. No, no. This is exactly how God planned it from time and eternity past. And it was exactly as Jesus had promised it would be. Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Things were exactly as Jesus had promised them. It was all according to God's plan. Expect the supernatural. Tonight we have a child being baptized. We have a person renewing their baptismal vows as we renew our baptismal vows with her. Can we expect the unexpected? Can we believe God for great things in their lives and our lives tonight? Can we expect that God will do his good, gracious, and glorious work in all of us? Can we, God, can we expect God's supernatural work and intervention in our lives? And then finally, expectations fulfilled require a response. The two Marys knew Jesus as Savior. He was indeed Lord of their lives. They saw the empty tomb with their own eyes. They heard the angel's announcement. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. But that's not where the angel stopped. The angel continued. Go quickly and tell his disciples. What did they do? What was their response? Well, look at verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. They did exactly, they responded exactly as they should have. Jesus had even exceeded their greatest expectations, their wildest dreams. And then on top of all of this, still as they were going the resurrected Jesus meets them on the road, and verse 9 says, they clasped his feet. I don't want to overlook the importance of this. 
This is an incredibly important point. Right or wrong in that day, superstitions of many people, of most people, and the folklore of that era believed that ghosts or spirits didn't have feet. So the fact that scripture tells us that the women clasped Jesus' feet demonstrates the reality of his physical bodily resurrection from the grave and that he is fully and physically alive. In clasping Jesus' feet and in their worship of him, these women testify who to whom Jesus is, to who Jesus is, the eternal and now resurrected Lord of glory. He is indeed Jesus, the eternal Son of God. He is Jesus who has accomplished the Father's will. He is Jesus who has conquered sin and hell, granting forgiveness for those who truly trust him as Savior. He is Jesus risen victoriously from the grave, giving eternal life to everyone who believes in him. If we are trusting in Jesus, we can indeed trust him to do great things beyond all human expectation. In our lives, in this church, And in this world, because he is, and he alone is forever the risen Lord of glory. Let us pray. Father, we worship you. We give you thanks. We ascribe glory and honor and praise to your name. Because of what you have accomplished through Jesus. And Father, you call us to trust you, to look to Christ and the power of his resurrection, knowing that you are able to do more than we could ask or think, that your kingdom would be advanced, that your name would be glorified, and that the world may come to know Christ for who he is, the Savior and the Lord of glory. We pray these things in his name. Amen.